to episode 25 of From the Front Porch, conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and I'm joined again by my friend Katie, who is my co-owner at The Bookshelf and my friend and almost neighbor. (laughs) So welcome, Katie. Um, Today we will be talking about the spectrum of narrative nonfiction, what we love and what we hate, and then we'll wrap up with what we're reading right now. Great. Let's get started. Yeah. So, Annie, I guess this conversation has its roots in our last book club. Yes. So, we are on episode 25 of the podcast, and I believe I texted you thinking, what are we going to talk about? I feel like I'm starting to run dry on inspiration, but both of us had the same idea, and I think it came from our last book club where we tried to discuss The Lemon Tree, um, a nonfiction book by Sandy Tolan. Um, tried being the operative word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let me just give a little background of this book. One of the book club members mentioned it, and so the lemon tree is an Arab, a Jew, and and the heart of the Middle East. And so the idea is that there is this house in what is now Israel, formerly Palestine, that two different families lived in. So Um, And the first family that lived in, the Palestinian family, was um, then evacuated when the Jews um, moved into Israel. And then this Israeli Jewish family moved in. And the two families, through their children, um, build this relationship. So that's how the book is kind of marketed through this story. But as it turns out, it is very, very much leaning on the history side. Mm-hmm. So I think the conversation then evolved in book club because I was the only one that finished it, but only because it was at my house and I felt very <laughs> obligated to finish it Yeah, um, and get through it. And, and I would like to input here that this is a book club that generally, I mean, we haven't been meeting for long, but I wouldn't say it's for lack of effort. Like, I think most of the women who came wanted to read it, yeah. tried to read it, and really quite frankly, just couldn't make it through, like couldn't push to the end. Yeah, no, these are actually really smart, studious readers (laughs) and not just kind of your typical flighty wino book club members. No, I would say this is more leaning towards the serious book clubbers. Yeah. Um, But it was um, very detailed in its history and so maybe should have been marketed more of a history book Mm -hmm. with some narration in it. Mm -hmm. And um, Which then I would never have picked it up. No, me neither. (laughs) Me neither. And to its credit, I will say... I feel like I'm a better citizen for having read it. And yeah. it is it did answer a lot of questions and did humanize this situation that we hear about in the news so much. Right. So I did like it. But the conversation then became, so we're on the spectrum of from literary nonfiction all the way to historical fiction. Where's our sweet spot yeah. um, in the book club? Yeah, and I, so I'm going to be honest, I was one of the book clubbers that took one look at the lemon tree, flipped through it, and thought, meh. I'm going to try. Like, it was one of those things where I thought, I'll try to read that. And then the closer we got to book club, the more enmeshed and whatever I was currently reading, I became. And so I just kind of gave up. And I do not typically read historical nonfiction Mm -hmm. unless there's a hook or unless the author is so deft that I feel like I'm reading, this is going to sound... dumb but um unless i feel like i'm reading a documentary because jordan and i love documentaries i love watching them of course there's a difference between a well-made documentary and a poorly made documentary (laughs) but if i am swept up in a historical nonfiction book it is because 
the author has introduced me to a unique cast of characters. Uh-huh. The historical element is there, and I feel smarter for having read it. But I'm also so swept up in the story, in the narrative part, uh-huh. um, that I almost forget I'm reading historical nonfiction. Ironically, I don't actually love historical fiction either. Oh, So I feel uh-huh. like I... I don't know. In high school and college, I liked historical fiction, and now I feel very ambivalent toward it. Interesting. So what are some of those historical nonfiction that you'd say really wrapped you up? So I... And these, of course, are different from, like, books you fly through, right? They're Uh not books that you finish in one sitting, which I do frequently. But, like, historical nonfiction, I don't do that. I I hold on to them. It takes me a little longer to read them. The one I am reading right now is um, Eric Larson's Dead Mm -hmm. Wake about the Lusitania. And I am completely mesmerized. And I'm taking my time. I'm not flying through it. Um, One of our customers, I asked him if he enjoyed it. And he said, well, I really liked it. It's slow at the beginning. Uh And so I don't know if he lowered my expectations or what. But I have found from the very first page, I was hooked. Now, I really like Eric Larson. um, Devil in the White City which wasn't what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like a real-life murder mystery. Uh-huh. And he definitely um, whoa, weaved yeah. that in there. Um, but he also really focused on the architecture of Chicago. Like, I just remember right. thinking, oh, if anybody is traveling to Chicago, they have to read this book. Like, yeah. um, And the World's Fair and intrigue and the mystery was there, but I also wound up really loving the parts about the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Eric Larson is really good at that. I also like David McCullough. Um, my dad has been a David McCullough fan for years. And so I've only read little bits here and there, but he does hook me. He does a good job with the presidents. I think he actually has a new book out right now about the Wright brothers, which I'm kind uh-huh. of interested in. I, think I saw that. Um, yeah. but I remember as a kid, and this goes to show that your kids are watching what you're reading as a kid, my dad was a pretty big reader. Both my parents were pretty big readers, I guess. But I specifically remember my dad reading David McCullough's Truman. And I remember every night he would want to read that book. Like, every, And that was unusual. Like, he was a reader, but he wasn't like, oh, I've got to get through this book. Right. But he loved the book Truman. And as I'm reading... That makes me like your dad even more. Oh, he's delightful. <laughs> he is great. Um, but Dead Wake which I'm in the middle of right now, talks a lot about Woodrow Wilson. And uh-huh. I already have kind of decided I need to find a good book about Woodrow Wilson next. Okay. Which I think is what good historical nonfiction does. Like, yeah. it makes you want to move on to the next thing. Um, I also spy a book over there. I think you pulled it. Um, the Life of Henrietta Lacks. Yes. Is that the yep. Yeah. Yep. That is the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. That was another one that I picked up and I thought, I'm going to try this. Like a friend wanted Uh me to read it. And I thought, I'm going to try this, but I don't know. It might be too science-based for me. Completely was mesmerized by Mm -hmm. it. Not another one that I flew through, but one that like I finished and I was proud of myself when I finished. I felt like I learned a lot. Um, And it's another one where she wrapped me up in the story of Henrietta and Henrietta's family. And then she sneakily taught me about science and stem cells and all this kind of right. stuff. So anyway, yeah, yeah, those are the, the, the ones that come to mind. So that's funny because I'm kind of a, a narrative nonfiction junkie. Like mm-hmm. I would say this is definitely the what my, my favorite. And from a very young age, I mean, mm-hmm. talking about growing up, I remember those um, biograph- presidential biographies. And um, I remember reading about Albert Einstein even. And um, those kind of junior biographies being yeah. some of my favorite things to read. Um, and so, yeah, I, funny. <laughs> um, I definitely love this genre. 
Um, and one of the ones that really sticks out to me as an all-time favorite is Wild Swans. And it's oh, kind of a sweeping history of China through three generations of women. Okay. It's been a long time since I've even looked at it, but I think after I read it, it was one of those books I had to buy for every woman in my life. Okay. Um, because by the end of it, not only did I feel like I knew something about China, but I had connected emotionally to these women yeah. and their situations. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, as long as there is that human element of it. I think that's what it is, yeah. Um, I'm okay. And actually, you know, and even with Eric Larson um, and Devil in the White City, I didn't actually connect to those characters very well, but like you mm -hmm. said, the places that he was talking about in Chicago at I that time. I think Chicago, what is it, like, places character? Like, yeah. I think Chicago was what I took away from that yeah. book. I thought I was going to get wrapped up, going to get wrapped up in the mystery of right. it and the suspense, because I love that kind of stuff. But instead, I really did get wrapped up in, oh, Chicago. Like, Chicago right. as a place. Right. Um, you know, the ones that fly off the bookshelf's shelves of course, are these Laura Hillenbrand. Uh, <laughs> so it's just the I mean, unbroken. unbroken. I couldn't keep it in stock years later. Like, it yeah. wasn't even in hardback anymore. Part of that, I'm sure, was due to the film. But really, Unbroken, Seabiscuit. Um, but I do. I feel like Unbroken, I could give to almost any reader. Mm -hmm. And they would, you know, it could be a male, female. Yeah. Um, and they would like it. And Boys in the Boat is another one okay. um, that customers really have been loving. Um I think I tend to gravitate... I enjoy nonfiction. Uh, my first choice is probably going to be a memoir or a first-person narrative. Mm -hmm. And then I also really like relevant nonfiction. And maybe relevant isn't even the right word. Modern nonfiction. Meaning, I just finished, or a couple of podcasts ago, I think I talked about Ghetto Side. Oh, yeah. um, which I love. And again, don't fly through it. Take uh -huh. your time. And I feel like I've learned something. Just like you said, the lemon tree kind of changed your perspective on some things. That's how I felt after I read Ghetto Side. Um, another one I would like to read is the new John Krakauer um, book about Missoula, Minnesota, I think, about rape and the college university system. Oh, wow. Um, I always love his, the way he tackles issues. I do, too. So I'll be interested to see because it has released to... Um, what's the word? Very different, differing reviews. Okay. So some people have really liked it. Some people think he didn't maybe go maybe quite controversial enough. I can't really tell. Uh -huh. But anyway, so that's actually, I'm going to the beach next week and I'm taking that with me. Um, so I like, I do like narrative nonfiction, but I don't always gravitate toward toward historical uh -huh. nonfiction maybe is where I draw the line. And I guess the narrative is where maybe it gets a little tricky mm -hmm. and um, and I don't do people generally trace the history back to Truman Capote. See and he's my blood. favorite like In Cold Blood is amazing. Yeah and I think both with journalism backgrounds we can really appreciate yeah. that um, and then so starting from there is the standard and then some of them get you know, a little bit stickier yeah. with the dialogue that's in the book. And is it true to the dialogue yes. at the time? And is that okay right. um, for it not to be? And I thought, so Eric Larson in his preface or his acknowledgments, I can't remember, he says every quote you uh -huh. read in this book was taken from somebody's diary. And some, I mean, it is exact, their words. But you know what? I can't even tell. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like he has it so smoothly in there huh. that I don't think to myself... 
oh, this sounds historical. Like, yeah. oh, this sounds ancient. <laughs> or this sounds like it was written in 1915. He, he does such a good job of setting it up that I'm honestly, sometimes I'm reading the quotes and I really do have to think, oh, wow, somebody really said this. Because he writes it so well that I feel like I'm reading fast-paced hmm. fiction. I don't oh, know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, that's definitely where the lemon tree maybe faltered because she did the same thing. Every quote in the book is actually a mm-hmm. quote from history. Now there were times where she would then give the other side. So one person's memory of the conversation versus another person's memory right. of the conversation, but that just doesn't read like a novel. So right. <laughs> it was, yeah, I definitely, I mean, and I admire people that can do it well because I think it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I think that's why everybody buys Laura Hillenbrand's books, yeah. or because they know not every you know historical book or nonfiction book is going to read this smoothly, but hers right. do, hers and do. I think Eric Larson's do too. Um, and those take just an incredible amount of research. Yes, can and you imagine? Editing. I mean, and I think Lauren Hillenbrand has said she struggles with um, one of those autoimmune. Oh, um, does she? I, I didn't realize that. Um, she doesn't. Uh, she'll sleep for a really long time. I can't remember. Is it lupus? Um, it's some. Well, I think a lot of people would put it. It's in that lupus category, okay. but hard to diagnose. Okay. Um, where she has a hard time getting up and going, um, and so this really is like a marathon for her to finish mm-hmm. um, doing this amount of research. But I'm always just blown away by how much it takes to do something that monumental yeah and I I'm trying to think the uh, another one that comes to mind that's more recent and I haven't read it but again it's one the subject matter wouldn't normally intrigue me but because of the customers who have come in talking about it I now want to read it is deep down dark oh I haven't even heard of it so it was on the bestseller list for a while and I believe it's about the Chilean mine disaster okay yes I did see that Okay. okay well Again, I kind of glanced at that and thought, oh, interesting that it's on the bestseller list. You know, we'll order some copies or whatever. But then I had a couple of customers who specifically said, you need to read this book. And now I'm intrigued. And so I think when an author does it well, people can't stop talking about yeah. it. Um, and so, I don't know, that is kind of, I feel like if people are talking about it, that's normally a pretty good pretty good sign absolutely and I'm okay even you know I really like the juicy historical nonfiction. but even if you take a small element mm-hmm. of history and build a whole fictional story around it yeah I'm usually a sucker for those too yeah or a unique character I feel like I've read some really great books about Eleanor Roosevelt uh-huh. because what I mean there's so much you can do with that like, <laughs> yeah, like, so, so I feel like if you've got a great character um I am curious because I'm spying on your notes about a path appears and half the sky. Where do they fall in this? Oh, so that's actually in the second for my second part of our conversation. <laughs> but we can go on to get yeah. I want to talk about Nicholas or yeah Nicholas Kristoff. Yeah. So um, a path appears is what I'm reading now, and okay. I dropped everything else that I'm reading. Even though I'm reading some great stuff, I was reading All the Light We Cannot See. I was reading This oh. Is the Story of a Happy Marriage, which I think you recommended last time we talked yeah. by Ann Patchett. Yep. Um, so I'm reading those, I was reading those two great things. And then this is how, what a book stalker I am. I saw an adorable couple on the beach mm-hmm. with two, two girls, a little bit older than our two girls. And then it looked like they had adopted a young son, probably from some region of Africa. He looked very African to me, um, who was maybe two. They just looked so cool. And so I, we stopped to talk to them about the dogs and whatever. And I saw on their 
chair was a path appears. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a sign from God that I had to order it. Um, so anyway, it is by the author of um, Half the Sky. Yeah. And um, and I don't know if Half the Sky was written co co written also yes. by him and his wife. It is. Um, but they're two New York Times reporters. Yes. Um, one maybe both of them were foreign correspondents for a long time, but I know she is more of a business writer. Um, and, and now he's a columnist, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's basically about what kind of social programs um, work and are effective mm-hmm. and how to effectively do social change. Um, so it's fascinating. It talks about a lot of the charities you've heard of um, and just a lot of efforts people have made to make a difference in the world. So it's kind of one of those inspiring books about if you want to make change, yeah. here's some different ways to do it. So I guess that's my question is, so I like Half the Sky. I have not read A Path Appears yet. But like, where does that type of book fall? Because I feel like, okay, so I didn't really want to read The Lemon Tree. But, but I love this other type of nonfiction where there, you know, maybe it's not historic, but it but it's relevant to right now and it's happening in current culture. I don't know what you call that. Yeah, I don't either. But that kind of nonfiction I gravitate toward. And you mentioned all the light we cannot see, which brings me to a very controversial subject, historical fiction. And again, I don't I don't know. I feel kind of ambivalent about historical fiction. I put off reading All the Light We Cannot See until I won it in a book club like drawing <laughs> uh-huh. kind of thing. And I thought, okay, I need to read this. And then I could not put it down. I thought it was so beautifully written. In (laughs) fact, I made myself put it down so that I wouldn't finish it quickly. Um, and, and I wouldn't, if somebody asked me, you know, where would I put all the light we cannot see? I would never say historical fiction. Oh, you just put it in a novel. Yeah. Because it's just so good. Like I feel Uh like historic in my own head, I feel like historical fiction makes it sound. I think, when I think of historical fiction, I think of romance novels for some oh, reason. Oh, no, And no. so I just don't want to read them. Yeah. But I maybe historical romance is its own thing. Absolutely. No, and I think a lot of good fiction just does a good job building a setting in a historical time. Yeah. And so... Because all the light we cannot okay. see, like... Well, and I guess this is an example, too. So online, I saw that uh, Dead Wake by Eric Larson is categorized under military history. Hmm. I am never going to read a book whose category is military history. But if you just tell me historical nonfiction, I'll grab it Uh and I'll pick it up, you know, and because it's got his name on it, I'll grab it. All the light we cannot see if it's filed in historical fiction somewhere, which now it will never be because it's a Pulitzer. (laughs) But like if it were filed in historical fiction, I'd skip right over it. But file it in fiction or award-winning fiction and I'm going to pick it up. And you're going to pick it up. Yeah, another name that kept coming up in book club who I've never read but maybe should be embarrassed that I haven't is Edward Rutherford. I haven't read him either. (laughs) um, But you're right. But I think he'd maybe build stories around cities um, at a certain time in history and, and builds the story around that. So that was another one that kind of sounded catchy. See, and you mentioned Anne Patchett. And so she's, what you're reading right now is nonfiction. This just a collection of essays. Which I love that kind of stuff. But I guess that goes back to first person narrative. I don't, so I don't know where I fall on the sweet spot. I don't know where I qualify. I definitely like a a good essay. Yeah. Um, I think there's something so beautiful about it. I actually prefer her nonfiction to her fiction. So... 
Ooh, that's hard. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I really like her fiction. Yeah, but I don't think I'm just drawn to essays and personal storytelling, maybe. Um, so far, a lot of what I'm reading in Ann Patchett's This is the Story of a Happy Marriage is a lot about the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. And at one point in my life when I was doing more writing, I probably would have eaten that all up. Mm-hmm. But at this point, um, it feels very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not so into it. And I think if you're a writer, you have to be fully into it because it's not just a hobby. It is such a lifestyle. Right. Um, so, yeah, so far, I like it. But I think because of that yeah leaning I don't love it um okay so where do you fall on historical fiction then do you like, love it you love do. it I never would have thought historical romance don't at all so why do I associate his- that I don't know I don't know I mean I do think a lot of historical fiction can be a little cheesy um and I mean I'm <laughs> I think we even talked last time about the American Girls books that I'm reading. To oh, I do love those. My Does that count? <laughs> daughter. Yeah, I love them, but they're yeah. you know so cliche, and they try to touch on every. But point. they're children's books. They are, and, and they I do teach it. things. And I will say, like as a kid, I would read. For example, I read Molly, and hers take place in World War II, and then I became obsessed with the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read all about it. Like, yeah. so I feel like they're great gateway drugs into. Um, about the past. Yes, yeah. like, and but I don't know where that went in adulthood. Yeah, because in adulthood, for some reason, I'm not as drawn to it. But as a kid, I got really obsessed with these periods of history. Um, the Great Gatsby did that for me for the 20s. Like then I went on to read other things about the 20s. Uh-huh. Um, so, which I just saw a book in the bookshelf the other day, and maybe you can it might have had an orange cover, and it was something about curiosity and how it makes a happy life, and maybe it was called Curious. Or something oh, like that. Curious mind. Curious mind. I think yeah, that's right. Um, Look at you, a customer. It's orange, and I think it has the word curious in it. Great. Clearly, clearly I'm not in the store enough anymore. But, um, but yeah, it makes you. Yeah, that kind of. I do think a gateway drug is a good way to put it. Yeah, it sends you on like a treasure hunt for other things, uh-huh. which I think the American Girl series does a really good job. I also read. Maybe you want to read with them. I read the Dear America series, where they're like diaries. Oh, of, I may have read those too. Oh yeah, That's and like, I loved those. I did a lot of diaries. Yeah, yeah, I really loved those. Um, and so yeah. And I like certain, again, I like historical fiction that I wouldn't solely categorize as historical fiction. So, um, All the Light We Cannot See, but also, and I've raved about it on the podcast before, The Boston Girl um, by Anita Diamant and The oh, Red Tent by uh-huh. Anita Diamant. Yeah, so, I do like her. Um, so I loved The Red Tent, but that's okay. not one I normally would have picked up. And then um, because I loved that, I picked up Boston Girl, which takes place in a completely different um, the, the red tent is takes place during biblical times, and then Boston Girl takes place during the twenties and thirties. And again, Boston t- is really a major character uh-huh. in, the, in the book, so I love the the setting of it. Um, but I learned a lot about the twenties and thirties, and I think she grew up. Oh, now I'm gonna forget, but I think she was Irish American or something. So I learned a lot about that culture. I feel the same way about A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. So the, so it's great fiction, but it takes place in these specific places and in these specific times. Like, it couldn't be written during any other time yeah. frame, but I still wouldn't categorize A Tree Grows in Brooklyn as historical fiction. Yeah. I want to hear what um, you're reading now, but just real quick, I will say I'm a, I can almost read anything in this genre wherever on the spectrum it falls. 
unless I hate that time period. Mm. Um, and the one I'm thinking of is the electric Kool-Aid acid test by Tom Wolf and okay. the hippie era. <laughs> and <just> their <laughs> irresponsible behavior <laughs> drove me batty. So not interested. So, especially when the author is taking on and becoming part of that. Ugh. <laughs> so so not get the it 60s together. or 70s. <laughs> too frustrating to you. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I want to talk about what I'm reading right now, too, but now I'm curious. Should I read The Orphan Train? Speaking of historical fiction, did you read The Orphan Train? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, no, I did not read The Orphan Train, but it's funny because uh, the same time that one came out, the other one that I think people were talking about was the, this My Notorious Life by Kate Manning. Yes. Um, that also was about the orphan train. Oh, okay. Um, so also orphans, um, and not solely about that. One of the orphans ends up becoming a midwife um, okay. who does some controversial things. Mm, so if I get queasy around birth, maybe not. Oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe um, not. The Call the Midwife series is really popular in the store right now, too, and I can't read those either. But I would like, as a kid, I read a book. It was called The Orphan Train, which is why I'm mm-hmm. confused. But each girl, it, this was, you know, children's fiction. So each girl took up a section of the book. It was this big hardback book and you got to follow and see where these three girls went after the orphan train so I think I'd be into the orphan train but again those are the types of books that I just don't pick up until someone basically puts it in my hand and says, right. you have to read this. Right. Okay, well, I'll make sure to put it in your hand yeah. next time. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm one of those. All right, so what are you reading? Okay, so I'm reading, of course, Dead Wake by Eric Larson, but I am about to go to the beach. And so <laughs> I am, like, stacking, uh, you know, making my stacks to figure out what I'm going to take. Um, this is the story of a happy marriage I'm taking. Um, I also... Now I'm trying to remember the title, and look, I'm about to do what you said. It's a yellow book, and it's about um, grammar. She works for the New Yorker. Oh, I saw that one also. Uh, okay, now I can't remember the it's name of clever. it. It's clever. It is clever. Um, it's like me and you, or me. Anyway, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But I'm thinking about show taking notes that are a glorious one. thing. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking about taking that one with me. Nerd alert. Um, yes, and then. Oh, I'm taking some advanced reader copies with me. I've got two books in my bag right now. Um, so I've got some advanced reader copies I've been meaning to read. Um, but I'm just... One is called My Brilliant Friend. It's not an advanced reader copy. Have you read these? No. Um, so a customer friend recommended these to me. It's a trilogy, and it's, um, I believe, Italian. But they've been translated from the Italian to English. But oh. she's just swore I would like them. And on the cover, it looks like historical fiction, but I'm going to try it because she specifically said, you will love this. And I thought, okay, so it's called My Brilliant Friend. It's part of a trilogy, so I'm going to take that with me. I'll be very interested to see. I'll let you know. So that, I'm taking that, but I really am dedicated to um, Dead Wake right now. I'm trying to finish it. Um, But I'm taking my time because it's so thick and full of information that I don't want to rush through it. Um, So that is what I am reading right at this minute. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, Dead Wake is definitely my mother-in-law is reading that right now. Oh, really? So that's I get that after she finishes. So that's once yeah. I finish Path Appears and All the Light We Cannot See, I think that will be next yeah. on my list. So thank you, Katie, as usual. Um, if you have any comments or want to recommend some good historical fiction or narrative nonfiction, um, you can follow us online, Facebook, 
facebook.com forward slash bookshelf Thomasville. Um, perhaps the easiest way is on Twitter at bookshelf Tville or on Instagram at bookshelf Tville. You can also find our show notes on iTunes or at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Thanks, Katie. Bye.